0: Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today, my guest is Mika Borum, an actress, screenwriter, and director best known for her work in The Patriot, Along Came a Spider, Blue Crush, and the often overlooked John Carpenter gem, The Ward. I had Mika on the show to discuss her latest film, Hollywood.con, that's C-O-N, that she directed, wrote, and stars in. We also talk about her hometown and my current city of residence, Tucson, Arizona, our shared love of John Carpenter and the importance of always asking for favors when you're making an independent film. If you'd like to support the podcast, become a subscriber today and you'll get access to all of our new episodes, days before non-subscribers, archived episodes over six months old, and exclusive content. Just go to anchor.fm slash following films slash subscribe. Big thanks to Bookmans for sponsoring the show and to Fort Worth for letting us use the song at the end. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks.
1: Hi, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm so sorry. My video doesn't seem to be working right now. I was just trying to play around with it, so I'm not sure why it's on, but there's totally blank screen. Are you are you unable to see it as well, or
1: unable to see? It. It's very mysterious.
0: Well, it's probably for everyone's benefit. So. <laughs> Um, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm I'm happy. It's finally warmed up out here in LA. Um, prior to this, a few days back, we had it at 60. And so I actually like at one point broke out uh, a fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cold.
0: <laughs> I believe your home is actually where I am. I'm from, I live in Tucson, Arizona. So, oh. so it's uh, going to be 111 this weekend here.
1: Wow. Wow. I love Tucson so much. Um, it's just beautiful with the mountains surrounding it. Yeah. So I was born, um, I was born in Tucson, Arizona, and then we had a ranch forever. Do you know where like X nine ranches?
0: I do. Yeah. I know exactly where that is.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we were out there forever. Um, wow.
0: They were kind of, you were far out there. That's uh, definitely off the route. Where did you have horses or what was, okay.
1: Yeah, we had some horses, we had some chickens, um, a little goat, uh, (laughs) but it's, it's interesting because now when I go to Tucson and, uh, you know, and we go out in that direction, like it's, that it's, uh, built up so much over the years. When we were living out there all the time, when I was really young, there was like nothing forever. It was the longest drive. And then, um, I love though, like once you turn off of the the main road out there for X9 ranch, then you, you, you hit that dirt road and that dirt road <laughs> is really, really long.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's um, it, it's, there's something about this place that I think it's not for everyone, but once it gets in your blood, I don't think it really ever leaves. I, I've only, I've been here 25 years, but this, you know, over half my life and it's still, it feels like the place I was born. This is definitely wherever I live, wherever I end up, this is going to be my home. I think, do you still have that relationship with it? Or does it, have you been gone long enough now that it feels like just another part of yourself?
1: I mean, I come back all the time to Tucson. I love Tucson. I think Arizona is really great. Um, the, the summers can be a little a little brutal sometimes yeah. you just hope that your air condition stays in I was thinking about this before I was like that must just be like the most lucrative job in the world would be to be um you know work on air conditioning in, in Arizona in the summer like because you know go, if that, it's almost borderline dangerous
0: oh no yeah it is it's absolutely dangerous there's uh people that um get into some really serious situations when their AC breaks here I mean it's going to be 111 this weekend. You. I mean, that's, you know, could be life threatening for certain people, but, um, the second that anything goes wrong with AC here, we are on top of it. So I I think that there's people that do it 24 hours a day here. Um, it's not like LA when you guys get a heat wave there, there's some people that aren't, they don't even have AC units in their home. So it's, uh, when, and then the summers there have gotten warmer over the last couple of years, last couple of times I've been, it feels like that there's been actual significant heat in the summer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I have this one memory from um, Arizona that always cracks me up. So um, I don't know. I you know it's weird out in California. I haven't really seen a lot of swamp coolers. No. But, you know, but growing up, I don't know how it worked out. But one of my best friends, her swamp cooler got um, mosquitoes inside of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they laid eggs, and it was like. Like the whole thing, we're like, what's going on? And then we're like, oh my gosh, like the swamp cooler has mosquitoes. Like, and they were just getting pushed out through the house. But it was like in the dead of summer, too. So everyone was like, where, like, what? And then um, I don't even remember. I don't know what the remedy is for, for killing the swamp cooler mosquitoes. But it was it,
0: it, yeah, it's, and that's something that I had never heard of a swamp cooler before I moved here, where you literally just have water and a sponge and a fan on it. And that's how you cool off the house. It's just, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, it works sort of, but your house is always a little bit, um, it's overly humid in the home when you walk in. And I, I mean, when I rented a home, when I was in my twenties, it was, uh, it had a swamp cooler and it definitely felt like it it gave me a reason to have career ambition to get out of the swamp cooler.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, it didn't get any mosquitoes in
0: there, did it? No, no, no. I would imagine it would be you just put bleach in it or something and do something terrible and get out of the house for a couple of days. So yeah, I I couldn't no, I have no idea how to how to handle that, thank God. Um but I thank you for taking the time to talk about your film. This is uh this is really this has to be pretty exciting for you because this is something that your name is all over with this project. Um what led you to want to take this much involvement in this particular project?
1: Um. Well, so my background's as an actress, I started right. I really young at like seven. And so the directing is sort of a natural progression from there. It was always something that I wanted to do. And for this particular film, um, you know uh, it was, it was, you know, fun, adventure, uh, comedic um, and just stuff that I was like passionate about. And when I, uh, put the script together, seeing the different friends that I had that wanted to get involved. It was really exciting. So um, that's kind of how that all came together. It's interesting, too, because, you know, for directing, I've done several short films and I've done music videos before. But um, I think a lot of times it's important to go ahead and and make your own opportunity with stuff, too. And... Um, you know, for an independent film, it's like super ambitious to have all of the <laughs> locations and all of the different actors, um, and so many moving parts with it. And so, um, that was something I wanted to go ahead and go for. Um, I thought that it would be, uh, not only enjoyable, but also like really great for, for my career to have something that's so broad in terms of it being adventure. Um, you know, for women, women directing is a smaller group and then women directing who, um, have the opportunity to do like action films or adventure films, um, becomes an even smaller group. And so that was something too, is I wanted to mix those elements in so that I would, um, you know, kind of open myself up for those opportunities down the road too. But, um, I also just like, it was fun. So I wrote this, I directed it, um, I cast it and then I acted (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, like the Hollywood part of it, cause it's partly Hollywood satire, um, was really enjoyable to put together because it was uh, a lot of based off of like a lot of random experiences and characters and things that I had come across, um, having basically like grown up on set. Mm-hmm. And so that was fun. And then I wanted to open it up even more broad to add the adventure aspect to it. And, um, So my dad is a gemologist and we started brainstorming together. And so I was able to drag him into the movie and he got involved, which is so fun. And he's got a cameo in the movie and we wrote on it together. Um, So that's really fun. And um, with his gemology background, we started figuring out, well, what is it that he's really familiar with that's specialized in that field that we can mix into this? And so that we can add these, you know, unique textures Um, that both of us kind of know intimately, and so, um, that brought up the uh enchanted piece of jade in the movie, Mm -hmm. and the stuff with the Mayan culture, and all the stuff in Latin America. And so, we started brainstorming on it. We're like, okay, and I always liked, um, like how Get Shorty is like a movie within a movie, yeah, I kind of like those. I think it's fun when you, um, yeah, you get to see like the movie within a movie. So I like that angle on it. And then I really, really wanted to bring together as many interesting artists as possible. So I knew that I wanted a large ensemble cast because, um, you know, a a benefit that I have from my acting background is that, um, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people that I've worked with who are super talented. And so, um, I reached out to them and brought them on and, um, you know so we've got like like really funny people and they're like tom arnold's in the movie tom arnold yeah. my dad um on a tv show when i was 10 for two years on the on the wb so oh, wow. uh, yeah so we're but <laughs> okay. um Devin retray in the movie who's he's so fantastic he has done so much he was in the um I think it won. I don't know if it was just nominated or won. I think it won the Oscar nominated film, Nebraska. Right. Um, he's a mosaic. He was Buzz and home alone, the older brother with the trans. Right. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, right.
1: He's done so much. Um, he was on the tick. He wore like the uh, the oil hat on there. He was on uh-huh. uh, the uh, Russian dolls, the Natasha Lyonne, um Netflix TV show. Um, gosh, he just like works all the time. And so like I brought, he and I did a movie together 10 or 15 years ago um it was actually a really fun comedy movie that never came out but we became buds and like so I put him in it and um then uh he was like and he plays the hotshot producer in it and then he introduced me to his buddy <laughs> Herbert Russell who is so hilarious he plays multiple characters in the film uh so quirky just so colorful and um he like he's been acting forever too. He started out as a child actor and has been in so much. And he and Devin know each other because they did a movie together when they were like fifteen years old. Um, and I brought on Cody Cash, which Cody Cash was on Desperate Housewives for a long time. Yeah, he played the psycho killer uh, Zach on Desperate Housewives, and so Cody was actually on the same movie that dev and i were on that never came out because sometimes that happens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you,
0: know,
1: you do them and you're like oh like when do we get to see it that one particularly they had a um kind of like behind the scenes clashing with some of the people so it just didn't come out but um but it was a good movie and i made all these friends on it so um that's where devin and cody came from um Paige howard who's in this she's hilarious and awesome she and I did a movie together 10 years ago and she's like one of my best friends. So I was like, Come she's
0: on out. an incredibly kind person. She's so nice. So sweet. Just a really, really cool person. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done was with Paige. She's a great person. So.
1: And so genuine, just yeah, like, you know, everything that, everything that you get from her is like, that's, that's <laughs> who she is. It's so real. So genuine. Yeah. I adore her. She's great. And I love too, because um, you know, the part that she plays in this where she plays kind of this like, badass like woman producer who literally is doing a movie on top of the world um uh it's fun because um I it it was like an element of her personality but she's so sweet so it was like you know I had her amp up like the part of her personality that's like you know wants people to do their best and like woman empowerment and like go for your dreams and so it was fun to see her do that role because um you know the sort of through line of the movie even though it's a you know it's a comedy and satire and stuff the through line is to you know go for it yeah. <laughs> and so in and her she kicks off that theme um you know with her her scene um in the very beginning where she's with my character and she's telling her you know to get out there take the opportunity be aggressive do these things and of course it's a comedy so that message gets interpreted into a different direction, <laughs> where, like things go away and askew. But, um, but uh, I just love that. Cause that's like, you know, uh, a lot of times when you write the script or when you think of a movie, there's like one scene or, you know, one sentence that kind of encapsulates about what the movie is tonally about. And, um, and that's pretty much it for, for the film. And so she's the one that delivers that, which I just love. Cause it's, it, uh, you know, it kind of, just comes out of her she's so talented she's so so talented um we well, did this movie together oh,
0: i'm sorry oh i was just gonna say that that scene has that moment um where she mentions something about um or uh, com- being self-realized at seven years old and like kind of like <laughs> becoming a like being like oh okay now i get it now i see what i have to do and it's just absolutely absurd line, but she delivers it. And it feels so earnest and honest in that moment that it's like, I think that that's where the real comedy in here comes. It's the the people in these absurd situations through and through this whole film, but you, for the generally speaking, your actor, actresses like her are delivering it in a way that makes it feel very honest, even though it's just bananas. So I think it's, she did a great job and with a very little amount of real estate that she had.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She, um, um and i love her too like later on uh without giving away too much too she's so cute with her you know she's up on top of the mountain and she's like mm-hmm. trying to do her calls and stuff and she's like hold on a minute like <laughs> you know like she's a <laughs> strong woman and then like back with it um yeah she's just perfect for that because she like told towed the line of like being like in your face aggressive but also just like warm warm yeah. strong woman so it was um uh You know, so she, like, was giving this, like, motivational speech, but yet she still had a lot of, like, weird, quirky character to her. And that was the thing, like, with the movie, is, like, trying to um, make these weird, quirky characters that I developed with the actors, but to ground them with, you know, a good um, character arc or authenticity and... um, you know, even the villains in this, like they have redemptive scenes and like you end up liking them and they don't, you know, they don't ever end up too far off.
0: Well, it's the the ones that they're, they're somewhat inept, the evil people, the bad. So you don't, if they were good at what they were doing, then you would probably maybe push back a little bit more, but because they're so absurd and ridiculous and they're not probably, it's clear they're not going to be successful in what they're trying to do. Um, that it doesn't carry as much weight in that way. And this is, it, I've seen the movie twice now. It's a lot of fun. So this is something that I think you, you, sh- you did something really unusual where it feels like almost like a 1980s comedy where it jumps from almost like a sketch comedy film where it jumps from scene to scene to scene. Uh, but there is a continuous through line here, but it feels like almost like these little, um, vignettes, these little pieces that were put together. And I'm wondering if there was a film you were looking at as inspiration when you were putting this together, because that can be difficult to kind of tonally keep everything together when you have so many shifts.
1: Yeah. You know, um, so there are a couple of things with it. So the, the big overall one that I would say was like, um, a large influence on it would be romancing the stone. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they start out in one location and then, you know, the story progresses and then they also have their enchanted stone and that, and things start to go away. And so, um, there's that one and then get shorty was also sure. yep. a big influence, which is obviously very different than that. And then, um, like grand Budapest hotel in terms of the fact that you have all these like, um, you know, different narratives happening and these really odd characters, uh, <laughs> but they're also passionate about their own specific journeys. And so I think that those three would probably um be the the biggest mix. I know for my dad, he uh loves Mad Mad World. And so he wrote on this too. And so Mad Mad World was something that he took influence for on I could see that. Yeah, he loves that one. And um, um so yeah it was kind of like mix mashing and but then we also, you know, because it's an independent film and I and I really I think that in the true spirit of independent film, you can kind of push the envelope on things. And I think a lot of times that's what audiences come to independent film for versus, um, you know, a studio film um, where things are, you know, more like done by a committee and they're, they're kind of more refined in, in different areas. So with this, I mean, we pushed, we pushed the envelope with stuff. We threw in uh, little Easter eggs and homages all over. So there's like, you know, a wink and a nod at pretty woman, um the Twilight Zone. Um oh my gosh, there's so much more I can't even think right now. Um there's one in there to Fargo. Um there's just like all these things I that we
0: saw those, I think. The 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 Twilight Zone, I think I got that, and Fargo, but I'm not sure um that I caught the other. I need to go back and rewatch again, apparently.
1: Pretty woman, um, pretty woman. So part of that comes into play with the Mayan priest when he's, when he's, when he changes, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. Got it. But.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's been a minute since I've seen that. Okay.
1: Yeah. When he goes full blown Hollywood on us. Um, yes. yeah. And I'm trying to think there were other ones too, but like, you know, stuff like that, we didn't, we didn't shy away. We were like, well, let's edit it. <laughs> that, would be, that would be fun. Um, and then also with, um, you know, like, um, you know, things that we had access to that we thought could up the production value. We were like, okay, like, you know, we, um, know someone who has a camel as a pet. <laughs> so <my laughs> dad and I were like, we got to get the camel in like, and we're like, well, you know where does Bonnie fit in the movie? Because she's got to be in the movie. I love animals. I love camels. Like, you know, like that's just fun and colorful, and I think people will enjoy that. like let's get it in there. And so we're like, okay, how do we do this? And we're like, oh my gosh, outside of L Jade's, of course, Of course, Tom Arnold has an attack camel like that makes sense because he's so weird with his, you know, drug cartel stuff that he has going on. So, you know, um, yeah, just stuff like that, we're like, let's get it in there. And then my dad's also a pilot too. So like when he's hot wiring the plane, and doing some of um, the plane crash yeah. stuff, like, you know, that's all things that he knows um, intimately about. And so we're like, well, that's fun too, because we can add, you know, sort of like a, a texturized realism for it. So anybody who's actually a pilot that's watching it might be like, oh, cool. Like that is how you would hotwire the plane. Like, you know, like um, it's, not, it's not fake. So we tried to do that with as much stuff as possible. <laughs> like anything that was cool that we knew about, we're like, we got to figure out how to get that in there.
0: So, well, things like that. I think even as an audience, if we don't, for me, I I wouldn't know the proper way to, to hotwire a plane, but when the people who are making it actually know, you can feel that authenticity. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So after talking with Mika, I went into Bookman's and I was dead set on finding a film. Didn't really care which one. I was pretty open to it, uh, to seeing a film that was filmed in Tucson. There's quite a few. Um, Obviously, all the big Westerns that everyone knows and then kind of these 80s comedies um, like What was it? uh, Can't Hardly Wait and Revenge of the Nerds, a bunch of films like that. And then some more forgettable ones, although some that have really big followings like The Wraith with Charlie Sheen. All these movies came to mind. Um, There was also, I think, was it My Science Project? I think that was the name of the movie where there was a a time machine. They filmed that out by the Boneyard, um, the airplane graveyard in town. I can't remember the name of that one. I think that was it. But I'm pretty sure they filmed that here. And I haven't seen it in god probably 20 years now so but i was open to really anything and when i started looking through the films i came across something that i hadn't seen in a really long time and it's a movie that i absolutely loved and i'd almost kind of forgotten about this one and i think that this is a film that a lot of people have forgotten about uh it's a 1999 film or 1995 film by sam raimi called the quick and the dead uh that's a western that he did uh starring sharon stone gene hackman Russell Crowe, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, notably, this is the first American film that Russell Crowe did, and it's an amazing performance. I mean, obviously, Gene Hackman is great here. Uh, Sharon Stone actually does a great job as the uh, <laughs> her version of the grizzled loner at the center of the film. And it's written by Simon Moore, um, who notably, I think he did the BBC version of Traffic, that was later turned into uh, the film by Steven Soderbergh. This was the BBC miniseries. He wrote the screenplay for this, and I think Joss Wheaton also uh, worked on the screenplay. But this is an amazing film. It's crazy violent. It's a lot of fun. The cinematography in it is some of the most creative um, that you'll see in a big-budget movie like this. So it was Sam Raimi took all of those tricks that he learned in... Uh, on the Evil Dead films, Army of Darkness, these more low-budget films, and brought those skills that he had uh, <laughs> he had developed to this big-budget Western that at the time was critically uh, panned, and it was also kind of a financial disaster. And I think that's why it's a film that's really overlooked at this point in time, and I think it's one of those ones that should be revisited because this is definitely a film that should be reevaluated. If we can take the time to go back and find the merits of Halloween 3, I, I think the genre fan should really give Quick in the Dead a second look or a third look just to go back and see how it holds up because after watching this this weekend uh yeah this is a great film this is something that i really enjoyed and one that i do highly recommend and that's the great thing about going into bookman's i have such a this slightly specific but very open ended uh kind of adventure that i'm looking to or um quest that i'm on rather and they've had it and they actually had something much cooler than i was expecting to find so remember bookman's they have your cool covered enjoy the rest of the show absurd as it gets um i think that you did you shoot in mexico for this i'm assuming you can feel that as opposed to when you just shoot in a certain part of los angeles that might look like that it, you know living 60 miles from mexico here you can tell when it's actually not mexico i think
1: oh my gosh yeah so we we shot in mexico we shot in texas we shot in arizona we shot in Guatemala, <laughs> and we shot in California. Oh, like, how
0: over. How? how i'm like this is a pretty small budget film, I'm assuming. How did you get away with that kind of that many locations?
1: Planning a lot of planning. And, um, you know, it was, that's why I was like, we was shooting this. We we're like, this is so much more complicated than an individual <laughs> it probably needs to be. But, you know, but, um, but my dad and I are both like workaholics. So we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll put in the 16 hour a day. Like, let's do it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was complicated to plan these different shoots in various locations because, Um, not only, you know, like the, the geographical scheduling, but also these are, you know, working actors that are all, you know, whether they're signed up for a film or a TV show. Um, so we had to organize and kind of wait around that as well. Um, but I think, you know, like, like what you're just saying, like shooting in Mexico, um, you just it, it gives it an authentic flavor. It gives it something fun and colorful to connect to that um you just wouldn't get if you if you faked it. And so um it was interesting film, filming down there though, uh, because there were a couple of things like um when we filmed, uh I don't want to give away too much, but so spoiler help ears if you, <laughs> if you if you don't watch it yet, but um there's a section like the section where uh I get thrown into the car.
0: Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There you yeah, go. Yeah, so we filmed that. We wanted to have some traffic in the background. We wanted to film that on the street. So we filmed that one with like minimal crew. And um yeah, so we filmed that like as, as minimal crew as possible. And so while we were filming it though, it was funny. I didn't see it, but um my dad and some of the other people saw it. And I guess there was like a guy who drove up on a motorcycle. And he was sitting there at the stop sign and he was like watching it. And I guess he thought that I actually got thrown into the truck of a car, like from the street <laughs> corner, because I guess he was just sitting there and he was just <laughs> like, stop. and then I guess he squealed off in the motorcycle, which is so funny. Um, but even funnier than that is we filmed there for a bit longer and nobody showed up. <laughs> the rescue didn't <laughs> did not come the no one showed up to help so had i really been thrown in that trunk it would have just been
0: that that would have been the end see later
1: yeah that would have been see you later um and then we had um when we first arrived at the hotel um we had found this really wonderful very cool um um i don't know what you call those exactly but like the open air um cabs so it's sort of like a like maybe like a pet pet cab yeah, and yeah so yeah. the driver had made his own um Uh, He had made his own like contraption with it. That was really neat. Um, He was like, yeah. And so it was really cool. It was a special one. And we had met him before. And we're like, this is the one, like when we arrive, we can't be in a regular taxi, even though at that point we were filming in Cancun. And so Cancun has a really strong um, taxi syndicate. They have all these like regulations and rules um, where you have to be in, you know, just the, the regular enclosed taxi cabs. And so, but we wanted this other one just specifically for filming. And so we started filming, you know, the rival at the hotel and driving around in this open air um, cab that stands out so much too, because it's like bright red. And uh, as we're driving, all of these police officers show up. And oh there you are. Hi, you magically appeared. How random. (laughs) Nice to see you.
0: (laughs) Nice to see you as well.
1: (laughs) You look well. I enjoy Jaws. Jaws is a good movie.
0: I'm a fan. So sorry, sorry. Please keep sorry for the uh, jumping in all of a sudden. So (laughs)
1: um, but so anyway, so so the so these the police officers, they all show up in these cars and they and they jump over and um they pull over and they pull over the cab that we're in and um you know, my, my dad speaks fluent Spanish. So it's like for him. Mm-hmm. I'm like sitting there and I'm like I understand about every four words. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> seems strange. And so anyway, basically they were going to ticket this cab driver because you can't drive in the area, or whatever. And um, my dad, who's quick on his feet, he's like, My daughter just loves pictures, <laughs> she loves them. She loves photographs <laughs> <so much. laughs> She saw him driving, they were in town doing maintenance on this vehicle, and she just uh, she made me flag him down to get a picture and so me understanding like the the few words in spanish i was like that's so true i was like yeah and so then i like started pointing at the police officers and i was like can i get a picture like you look amazing you look amazing <laughs> and I, went up, and I threw my arms around him and, took <laughs> and my dad's sitting there and he's snapping them, and we're like wow this is great and then they they left <laughs> oh that's amazing and officers left and we filmed a few more times and then we were done so yeah mexico was interesting with that with that kind of stuff because um you know, just something else to traverse. we filmed in um the uh Yuma Arizona sand dunes, too mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting, um and so beautiful, like my gosh, like just stunning, but that was funny too because um I, you know, so I wanted there to be because um Billy Bob Thornton and the Box Masters gave us a couple of songs for the movie, yeah, yeah. and so there's one in particular that's just so funny, the lyrics um are very quirky and it's about uh the city in LA Glendale mm-hmm. which um Glendale sort of like has a rap for like not being very cool and yeah. it's so odd because i think everywhere around Glendale is considered cool like you have like Echo Park you have Silver Lake um you've got uh Hollywood like but for some reason like Glendale like just didn't get to be considered cool and so um i thought it would be fun to have like a buddy comedy sing along to that song. And since we had that song, they'd given us that I, like I wanted to really give it flavor and a character in the film. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, Oh, okay. So um, I needed like a special background for it. And so we figured out, um, I forget how exactly, but we figured out the, the Yuma sand dunes would be perfect. My dad and I were like, it's perfect. And so, but, but, but to film in the Yuma sand dunes, you have to film when it's very hot, because otherwise it's um you know full of um the people with the ATVs and the yep. off and all that. It's a very popular spot for that, and so we had to wait until it was extremely hot so that it would be empty out there. Uh, does and camera
0: equipment last when in like the hundred and fifteen hundred and thirty degree weather that they have out there?
1: uh not for very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like, it kept overheating. Luckily we didn't bring out, you know, the super smoking gun cameras for that. We had some like smaller cameras, um, you know um, that we were, that we were working with on that. Some of the Sony's that were like a little bit more, you know, malleable for the weather that we, where we were like, Oh my gosh, we're killing the, you know, the huge <laughs> camera, but you know, we're out there and like they keep overheating and when they overheat, they shut off. <laughs> yep. So we had to put them in coolers but you know, you can't get them wet. So it's like this, like, you know, this whole catch 22 and that was another one of those sequences where I'm like, whose idea was it to do the buddy sing along out here in the sand dunes when they were pristine. And it's like 110, like this is ridiculous, but um, it looks great though. Yeah, it does look cool. It does look cool. It's funny. Border patrol came up on us out there too. And they're like, what are you doing <laughs> right there on the border? Yeah. They're like, What's going on? Like, and we're like yeah you know well oh we talked to people before like we're out here we're filming and they're like what like you know they're like you look crazy like (laughs) what's wrong with you (laughs) we're just out here filming and actually you can see um, we got a little clip of it and uh we threw it in there there's like a little piece of a border patrol car in the movie too which was just kind of like a happy accident so it's pulling away we're like oh that's fun you know, cause it doesn't have the license plate or anything in there. So we're like, Oh, let's throw that in like production value. <laughs> that cost us a lot that day, <laughs> put it in, put it in the movie. But um, it was funny too, when we were filming out there, cause we had a ATV, um, you know, we didn't. Cause we wanted the sand dunes pristine, but to get the actors, you know, we had them walking towards camera for most of it. And then we had an ATV that would drop them back between takes and it would do like a big loop out to the side um, but it was funny cause my dad, and this is one thing building with a parent. It was funny. So he loves to exercise. And so he's like, I'll just walk back there. <laughs> I was like, no, it's like 110. You're going to die. And he's like, I yeah. love to work out. This is a great, I'm going to get a great sweat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I can't deal with this. I can't deal <laughs> with his dad's strength right now. This like super dad, <laughs> like flexing on the, the no ATV ride. It was funny. So But yeah, we had a good time Um, and we definitely, you know, we, we mixed in these weird locations. We've got some, some odd ones in there. Um, Also when the, without giving away too much shoot, another spoiler, but the other spots where um, we are that are around that same area that are near the border, Mm -hmm. those are all uh, real spots where people get smuggled into the United States. And so we actually went to those spots and filmed there um and so that was kind of fun yeah that was kind of fun and different too so you know that's like another thing with the authenticity so if somebody watches it and they're familiar with that at all they're gonna be like oh my gosh like rattlesnake gorge yes like the spot that other one that's the spot um those are all real locations where people come across the border
0: well i oh i I was gonna say i drive to san diego probably once a year and that's exactly where we drive through so i'm you know, there's a good probably 45 minutes that you're driving along the border and you see the border wall right there and that's right past the Yuma area in those sand dunes and it's beautiful there and i mean it looks like you're in a different world it's crazy that that's only an hour and a half two hours from here however far away that is so but yeah it's beautiful over there
1: yeah yeah and we did we did the so we did the like with those rocks the rattlesnake board yeah. and the river that's another real spot too um yeah it was funny it was funny filming all of that
0: so do you ever think to yourself in the middle of those days, like, I wish Billy Bob never would have gave us these songs.
1: <laughs> Take back those songs. <laughs> Take them back. I, You know, it was fun. Um, oh, what was that? What's that movie called, too? There was another movie. I think it was This Is The End, which um, they have, like, a lot of homages to a band. Is it This Is The End? i have to revisit that. But, um, yeah, I just, I love... Um, I love uh, buddy comedy sing-along stuff too. So I had to get that.
0: It started as just um, you just have that kind of like needle drop where, but it's uh, introduced by the DJ on the radio. And if you, it works really well because if you know much about, you know, music and you happen to have like a deep level of film, you're going to know who that band is. You're like, oh, look at that. That's a, that's fun. They did that. And then you as progressively go on, see how much that those songs actually play a part of the movie. It's actually quite a bit. <laughs> it comes in several times throughout the film. Um, it, is that something that you had in mind early in the production or when in the writing, did you know this was going to happen? Or is it something that you started, you had access, okay, now we need to start building towards this.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff was sort of a mix up across the board, like a lot of stuff we went ahead and um, wrote in originally, but then if something really interesting or cool came up along the way, um, we would adjust for it, you know, because it's independent film, like, that's what you do, you know, Um, you have to be, you have to have a general idea, but then you also have to be malleable if something better comes up, or if for whatever reason you need to problem solve, um, so um, what we did with this film too, which was really cool, super fortunate with, was um, we did our edit on the film and we had an awesome, awesome editor. She's so fantastic, She's super cool um, and really talented. And then when we were done, we did a polishing pass on the mm-hmm. film with a friend who um, is this uh, stellar editor who he's like on the board of directors um, or board of yeah direct for the Guild for the Editors Guild. He's sure. Like, yeah. That. And he's like won Emmys for Stranger Things and and Californication and Shameless and like all these really awesome shows. And so he watched it and um, yeah, he watched it and he really liked it and just dug it and like, you know, dug the whole family aspect and the fact that I made it with my dad and we, you know, incorporate all this like quirky fun stuff. And so um, he did a polishing pass on it and gave us a bunch of notes and stuff too. And then we went and we, you know, did some different reshoots on things too and like um, so that was fun, too, because there were certain stuff, um, you know, where, um, you know, uh, like where you want to repeat things over and over again mm-hmm. so that they become uh, even more thematic and you set them up early on. And so those were some of the things that we, you know, kind of went back through. And um, if there was anything that was like something cool that we hadn't originally anticipated, then, he, uh, you know, that we added that was, say, like in the middle of the film, then he helped us with you know, figuring out where the setups would be for that in the beginning. So like, um, you know, like, um, yeah, we tried to set everything up in there. So like a really strong setup for later on with the stuff with the son, with Tom Arnold, you mm-hmm. know, it's the first scene in the movie where I'm sitting there making the YouTube videos. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like that, so that sets it up. So by the time you get there, you fully understand that. And then you have the different scenes, you know, with the, with the girlfriend with Brittany Underwood, um, you know, talking about videotaping me and all that kind of stuff. So you understand that there's this like, you know, through line of trying to film stuff. And then when you see me with my dad for the first time, I've got the camera out filming him. So, so thematically set that up so that by the time you get to the scene with Tom Arnold and his son, and that happens, then hopefully it feels, you know, organic that you've already kind of seen this. And it's, it's something that, you know, yeah, feels like natural comes through.
0: Yeah. It feels intentional. Like that's what you're building towards the entire time. Um, And that's kind of leads to a question that I had before that I thank you for bringing this up in my mind. Um, You are writing this, you're directing it, you're starring in it. It's got to be really difficult to divorce yourself from the material and actually view it through an audience's eyes. And because there's all this knowledge that you have in the back of your mind about the story and actually being able to see it through a critical side, when you're going through that editing process, they have to be really an outsider's opinion has to be really important to you. Or are you able to objectively watch it for all the beats that need to be there?
1: Uh, I think I'm able to objectively watch it. I mean, I've probably seen it a thousand <laughs> times, <laughs> maybe 2000 times, but you know, I'm really big on, um, I love collaborations. I love collaborations. And I think if someone's an awesome artist, like I'm really big on, um, you know, getting opinions from friends, that, you know, and I don't always take, you know, what people say on stuff, but, you know, getting opinions from artists. And like I said, my, you know, my buddy who does the editing had him do our polishing pass on it. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I have heard of different friends before, like when they put movies together where they get like, so, you know, in love with different aspects, they're like, Oh, like I can't cut that. Or like, Oh, like I can't do that. Um, uh, I don't think I don't really, I, there's a lot of stuff. I didn't really have that I'm like, okay, like whatever's, you know, best for the film and best for the time on it. When we, I mean, when we first started the editing process, I think we had like a gone with the wind, you know, like.
0: Your rough <laughs> had- cut was four hours long. <laughs> yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly. So I knew that some stuff had to go. I, there were a couple of things that were really hard to get rid of. Um, so one of them is uh, one of them, and it's still in there, but uh so Brian Krause does a cameo, and Brian's so amazingly talented, he's done so much. Um, but one of my favorite things, just because it was like one of those shop, sh- shows I watched religiously as a kid, was uh, Charmed. He was on Charmed Forever, sure. and he was the White Knight. And so he's in the beginning of the movie, and he did a cameo for me as the director um it for this casting session for the for the zombie stuff, and um, you know so we it's basically all improv I just told him like you know do fun stuff that has happened like on set before like you know like like if anybody's told you something weird or like whatever and so he just improv and like went off for like an hour it was so funny he's like throwing like an apple at the actor and like you know doing more in doing more out do this or that and he's like just so funny and I you know in watching the movie like it's at the beginning of the film. And so like, but I like wanted to stay on that forever because yeah. it's funny, but for the pacing of the film, you know, you've got basically like, you have like 15 minutes where you need to kind of kick off the story and get to like pages to scene type stuff yep. where you really get into it. You kind of introduce everything and then get into it. And so I couldn't hang out there as long as I wanted to, but I just, it's the, I better release that as behind the scenes footage. Cause he's just like, so funny. And you know, Tom Arnold too, like Tom with his, um, comedy stuff. He does stand up comedy. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. So I just have hours of him, like going off, like, like just like joke after joke after joke. And they're all hysterical. So, um, but you know, like for pacing too, you can't fit all of that in there. Uh, you gotta, you know, keep some of it moving.
0: Well, it's kind of like the, um, I'm not sure if you, how familiar you are with Caddyshack, but there's, um, the scene with Bill, Bill Murray, where he's just, Um, kind of doing this thing where he's hitting these flowers. Uh, Apparently there's a sequence that was 45 minutes long. That was in the assembly cut of the movie where he just, it was all of his improvisation and they couldn't cut it out. They were just like, cause everybody was just so in love with every moment of this. And if you, I think there's, you can watch it on YouTube at this point, probably I know it was on one of the Blu-rays or DVDs a while back, but that's that kind of thing where like, well, there's definitely a short film there that you could just put it on its own and let it live as its own thing. But if you're looking at a narrative story, probably not going to work for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's hard. It's hard when you have really good actors because you know, they, um, they're funny. They're really, really funny. Um, Herbert and Devin in the movie, like they're hilarious (laughs) too. the two of them. They've known each other forever. They acted in, what was the movie? They acted in a movie together too, when they were like 15 years old. And so they just, um, you can let them go on improv too. And they just like, they just bounce off each other forever.
0: Well, I know we're kind of close to the end of time here that we had allotted, but I had two quick things. I just wanted to say real quick. Um, One it was a question. Just, you got to work with John Carpenter. That's got to be, I, I, when you did that, were you at an age that you could appreciate how big a deal that was? And it's his last feature film. That's going to be pretty special. I assume.
1: I'm obsessed with John. John. Okay, good. good. I'm super obsessed with him. I literally like anything that cool, that like I do like, um, like I got a, a, a like, like the first review that came out on the movie. I was like, this is going to John. So I like sent it over to him <laughs> and you know, he writes me back. I was like, Oh gosh, John wrote me back. He's so cool. Um, I love him. I love him. He's the nicest guy. He's so warm. He's so generous, so generous with his time. Like, Oh my gosh. And such a talent too. My goodness. Yeah. Um, like Starman I die for that movie that movie is so good I
0: literally just watched it two weeks ago I love that movie it's phenomenal it gets me every time I cry so hard at the end of that movie and I shouldn't it shouldn't work as well as it does
1: it's so good the performances are so nuanced Um, and then it's but it's still got that like really fun like you know um, sci-fi aspect Mm -hmm. to it the mysterious that keeps you wondering yeah that movie is just awesome as well as his other work his other work so good too um, I think they said it was his last movie. I don't think it can be his last movie. He's got to do more. He's got to well, do more. I mean, how, I'm,
0: is that, I mean, it's got to be close to 10 years ago now though, right? The ward it's.
1: Yeah. He's got to do more. How? He's got to do more. I literally think about all the time. Like, cause I, you know, I've, I've always got, um, script ideas, like running through my brain of different stories I want to do. I literally all the time, I'm like, I need to write a script and I'm going to send it to John and like, <laughs> see if he'll direct it. Like, I literally think about this all the time. I'm like, what would a good concept be for him? He's so talented.
0: Oh my God. No, there, there's not a, even the films of his that aren't perfect in his catalog are still better than 99% of the things that are out there. He, his misses are hits to me. I, and the thing Absolutely. I can't think of a, f- the only thing that he, no, he he's done everything he's done. Western, he's done comedies, he's done maybe a musical, is really the only thing he didn't do. Um, and I'm okay with that 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 that, that world without a John Carpenter musical, but yeah, he, he's just amazing. So, and I'm glad to hear how warm he is because when he's interviewed, he can come across as so like cantankerous until you talk about Howard Hawks or something like that. Like, he seems like he's much if you give his films that much praise, he never seems comfortable with it. He kind of very dismissive of his own work, which is something that's endearing to me um, as a fellow um, self-hating narcissist, I guess is probably how my ego would be described. So yeah, but that and the other one is not often do I interview people that make me look cool to my wife. Um, And so you actually fit that Venn diagram of somebody that, had a film that I, I'm, that I love, that I adore, that I think is you know a classic. And then one that my wife is the same way. When we got married, she brought four DVDs into our relationship. That's it four, and one of them was blue crush. And so it's like that, that was her cinematic experience prior to us being married. And that was one of the formative movies for her. So.
1: Oh, very yeah. cool. Very, very yeah. cool.
0: So thank you for making me look cool to my wife for at least maybe <laughs> she'll have, the, there's a chance she might actually listen to this one. So thank you. I love that. You guys will have to come out to LA and surf. Oh, that I would love to, I would love to finally do that. Um, in LA never in Hawaii though. That scares the shit out of me. I, know, I the Waves are wild. The, the the waves, the sharks, all that. No, it, I, that freaks me out. So I just, um, I, I couldn't imagine looking down, seeing a shark and feeling comfortable. I, I just, I'm, you know, behind me. I think that screwed me up when I was about seven years old and I've just never gotten over it. So
1: I know. I feel like you like when I'm out in the water and like, cause in California we have all the kelp too. So I'm like yeah. out there and then I'm like, is that, is that, is that like some kelp? And then they have, um, in El Porto, this is actually really interesting. So if you look up, um, in El Porto, they have, uh, and don't quote me on this, but On YouTube, they have all these videos of people having the GoPros underwater, and apparently it's a uh, mini, like, great white shark nursery, and they've got, like, little ones, but people are just out there surfing like crazy.
0: Oh, my God. Really? I I will look that up. That's I have never heard that before. So, ooh. No.
1: Circling back to John really quick. um, Yeah, yeah. He has a new new book uh, coming out about him that um, I'm trying to think... um, they interviewed me for, and the author's so cool. The author has interviewed John for like the last 20 years. And so I think he already did one book that came out about John, but it's a collaboration of interviews on John and then interviews that people have done about John. Really? And uh, I believe that the author's name is Michael Doyle. Um, and that's supposed to be out soon. And let me see if I can pull up his name really quick. He's so cool, and I know it's I know it's gonna be great. Um, and I talked to when they first reached out to me about the interview on it, then I talked to um, John about the author and he was like, Oh my gosh, this author is like awesome.
0: That's the, Oh, okay. Now I, I have read his stuff before
1: Let's, Michael yeah. Doyle
0: because he did the Larry Cohen book also. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah.
1: It's uh so he's author of conversations with Carpenter and then the Larry Cohen, the stuff of gods and monsters. And then Stuart Gordon interviews, um, Hancock on Hancock. And uh, Oh my god. Yeah. So he has the new book. Let's uh talk so about
0: this- pillars of my childhood, Stuart, Stuart Gordon and Larry Cohen and John Carpenter. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, sorry, please. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. And so it says new book by Michael Doyle, derived from eleven years of exhaustive interviews with the master of horror coming soon. So it's gonna, it's gonna be really cool. It'll be fun.
0: You'll have to mark that one in your calendar. That that I just set a uh, a Google alert for it while I looked it up. So yeah, as soon as that hits, I will be all over that thing. Thank you for the heads up on that. I appreciate that because I'm any time that I can spend a little bit more time in Carpenter's world, I'm happy to do that. And I'm I love the enthusiasm and the belief that you have as somebody that knows him that there could be another one down the pike somewhere. So I'd kind of resign myself to the fact that it was complete. And I was just going to have to stay satisfied by the music at this point, which is, which is great. I mean, I I pick up the anthology albums whenever they come out. So yeah, it's anything he does. I'm happy to check out and thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks.
0: All right. Well, uh, Oh, the film it's available on VOD prime right now, or what's the best way to send people to your film?
1: Yeah. So you can check out, um, Hollywood.com on Amazon. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's fun. We also have a website for the movie that has some fun, like behind the scenes pictures and whatnot. Um, and that's HollywoodCon.net. <laughs> so, and it's, yeah, it's Hollywood and that, yeah. then then the period con and it's, uh, because the movie is about con artists in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. Perfect. I think- Excellent. I'll make, I'll, I, I, I will make sure that that link is in the show notes in case the .net throws anybody off or yeah, I'll make sure that they have the link there, but I highly encourage anybody who's listening to this, if they haven't already to check out the film, cause it's a, it's a nice palate cleanser for everything that's going on right now. And it just felt good to laugh for a little bit. So thank you for that.
1: Cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I did really, really thank you so much for taking the time. It was nice to meet you.
1: Thank you. I had a blast. Bye.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye.